I feel like we got we have all the pieces here. You know, I, I feel like we have the pieces to to get over that hump. You know, and for a lot of teams, that hump is you know becoming 500 or becoming a playoff team. But our hump, we've been to the NFC Championship the last two years in a row. You know, so our hump is the dance. Let's go to a little life out here. It's a lot of fun. Keep it fun. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'll be your host at Steve Diddy NFL on Twitter. And of course, follow the group at UK Packers. And as usual, I'm joined by Miel Paul Miel, who just decided to, to Mike Tyson the mic there. What's going on, brother? I don't. Darryl I'm Jay sorry. Here. I'm sorry. I was going to lick it, but then I decided best off not lick the mic, Daryl. Silly thing to do. Yeah, if in doubt, don't lick, just punch. So, look, we've yeah. a load to talk about. Uh, I didn't Too do much. Yeah, pretty Too much. much. I didn't do quick snaps. Oh, because these preseason. Oh, Jesus! Oh, my hat's falling. My podcast fedora's you falling off. Nearly, you nearly forgot to do it. Are you doing it? Are you doing it? I, you're looking at me doing it as always. As always. Um, yeah. Look, I didn't do a quick snaps because um, look, these preseason games. I, I thought we'd blend the two. So today we have the news roundup. Uh, we're gonna look at that Jets game and just pull out little bits that we did oh, didn't like. We have to. Like, yeah, do we, we do. have to. We're gonna we talk to about the. the yeah, we're gonna talk about the wave as well. Which is apparently yeah. controversial. Silly um, fans. And we're also Silly going fans. to do a bit of... Quick stuff. Ah! Oh, jeez. Ah. Um, about this upcoming game and why it's important. And there was a nice few soundbites there of some of the pressers. Um, look, yes. Um, pressers are what they are. They are what they are. But we have some... We Kevin King, which was dynamite, because that was the they first are, time... They are what they are. Hang on a minute. They yes. are what they are is right up there with the new normal. The new norm. I don't... It's game me, me sad. It's game me two offs. Well, look, yeah. you get what you you get what you give. You know, there's plenty of fish in the sea. Um, you know, what's for you won't pass you. Basically, that's what yeah. I'm saying. Um, look, there's some pressers. An awful lot of the stuff uh, is the droll, usual old malarkey, right? Do you know? Do you know? Do you know what? Do you know what they need to stop asking the coaches? They should stop phrasing the questions like. How how good was it uh, for you yeah. to have your like? It's he's gonna say it's good filler and then move on. If you what do, do it, do? if you did it in court, there'd be objection all over the place. Yeah, what are you doing? Your leading questions. Stop asking leading questions. Yeah. If you already know the answer, don't ask the question. I just don't understand. Like, cause you can't even really don't get a story out of that. Yeah. Oh, the, the floor says. Don't, don't it was... waste a question on it. Don't yeah. waste a question on it. You might as well just I ask asked him this, and he agreed with it. Yeah, it's really kind of... So I don't like the leading questions, but there was some good stuff in it, Daryl. Kevin King is one of the ones that stands out to me. So we had his soundbite at the at the top of the town. And he was talking... that He's reiterating, Daryl, again, um, what everybody seems to be reiterating when they get to the podium, which is very difficult to say. Um, you know, talking about the fact that uh, he's all in on this and he believes that they have what it takes to go to the dance Preston Smith took a pay cut so he's putting his money where his mouth is Rogers that definitely factored in that he had no leverage obviously but coming back as well is an awful lot easier when you believe that your team is a Super Bowl contender now again you could say because he believes it's because of him and all that kind of stuff and that is true you, you know you can't get around that fact Aaron Jones said it and he, he took less money he could have got more he came back because he thinks he's a contender the GM and the coaches are saying it here's my question to you Daryl right everybody believes that this team has what it takes and I don't ever agree with the take that you're one player away or one play away from the Super Bowl unless you're literally one play away and something catastrophic happens but like 
this expectation is always there in Green Bay and we've heard that from the top brass over the years in Green Bay and the players that have played somewhere else and then played in Green Bay where they say the expectation even in the locker room is so much higher in Green Bay. It's not to win the division or get to the playoffs as Kevin King even said. It's to go to the Super Bowl. There's that expectation that if you're not winning you're doing it wrong. So does that not make this super high stakes? Because what if the Packers have a bad streak? I'm not saying they will or there's, there's no reason why they should. What does that do to team belief? Because everybody honestly and truly believes, in monetary terms even, that they're going to do the business. And, you know, is the, is the attitude that there's going to be just a general dismantling of this it kind of feels like, oh, this Malaya's rodeo, you know, and then we're going into yeah, it. Yeah. There's a That's vibe of that there. How damaging is it, though? If it starts to go a bit wrong, it's... I don't think. No, I don't think. It, well, put it this way. This, I think this is the last roll of the dice for this particular set of players. Um, because we've already discussed this, that, I mean, Rodgers is probably going to be gone next season anyway. But I think this is the final roll of the dice on this. They've got the NFC. I mean, King alludes to it already. He said, you know, we've done the NFC Championship twice. What's next? There's only one next. It's only one thing missing from what they've done already. So I actually think that if this team don't do it, this team is going to be dismantled. Hmm. If this team do it, the majority of this team will probably hang on in there in some shape or form. But if they don't, I mean, this is this is basically all in this year. And if it doesn't happen, and it, and as you say, if they're going a really bad run, well, it doesn't matter. Because this was the last year of these players anyway, I think, in any shape or form. Because they're going to lose their quarterback next year. There's going to be a lot of, I think there's going to be an awful lot of change in this team anyway. So I actually do think, because let's face it, they didn't make the big calls with any signings this year. Most of the fans were whinging and moaning about how we didn't do anything. And to be fair, we did. We repeated. We gave the quarterback the exact same team, plus a few tweaks. Obviously, we need a defensive coordinator. But we've given them basically the same blueprint. If they believe, And they believed last year. Mm. They believed last year. We believed last year that they were going to get to the Super Bowl. They still believe the same thing. And I think this is obviously what management are driving at. They're saying, well, you believe that last season nothing's changed. Mm. We've made a few tweaks. We've given you a few little add-ons. Now go and do the business. And so if the wheels come off the wagon um, part of the way through this season, I think don't, don't think it really matters. It either needs to go well or it's going to go down in flames. That's the thing, though. I was just thinking about, I, I'm even feeling the pressure and it's kind of, it's closing in on me a bit because I'm thinking the expectation is so high. What we're told yeah. all the time is, is that you don't win Super Bowls back to back, that you can have good teams, but that doesn't guarantee you anything because once you hit the playoffs, it's who, whoever is on a hot streak. However, what we've been hearing from these players time and again once they hit the podium, and you can see the real belief there from everybody in that building. And that's one thing that Gudekunst mentioned when he talked about bringing players in and these, you know, they asked him about the draft class, for instance, and how they're kind of showing up in these preseason games for what it's worth. And he said that, you know, whatever about, you know, the short period of time that they've been in here and they have been doing the business, he's more impressed about how they fit into the culture. And that seems more important than ever in Green Bay. I just can't put my finger on it. I don't know if, for instance, it's so weird that the players think that, oh, we've got here um, to this point. Like, we're guaranteed to get there again. We just need to make that little bit of a push to get further. When really we know that none of it is guaranteed. NFL games to win consistently, as Aaron Rodgers always said, is super difficult to do. So even that it's in the players' minds that we've got this far, so we're going to get there again and move on, it's really odd because the NFL and the Premier League, let's say, differ in the sense that with the Premier League, if you don't add superstars to your squad mm. season upon season usually you're deemed to fall behind and that that shows itself through that does happen whereas the nfl isn't it mostly if you don't get injuries and you don't lose the players that you help build that team with 
well then you end up sort of doing well and it's not necessarily about going out and grabbing that big name player or that number one draft pick it's keeping the people that you had success with which seems to be the formula that they have here but Daryl it just worries me a little bit that you know is this the final year of something does Gudekunst and Co think think that they have a team that they can build around Jordan Love let's say and just slot him in there and still have good success does it go into total rebuild what do we do around the salary cap I don't know whether to be excited which I am about the season let's say or be a little bit fearful like this is somehow you know your last year in school and you're trying to relish the whole deal yeah, well, I actually think, and I think the rhetoric will change. I think we'll see that in the next couple of weeks as we get closer, obviously, to Orle- New Orleans for the, the first actual you know game where we're going to get blooded in properly. I think it'll be it'll be a lot of talk then of we're just we're in good form, we're training well, we're looking forward to the next game. We're not focused on anything else but the upcoming game. We're not getting too carried away. We're not looking ahead. You know, now is the time, I think. I mean, this time last year, Aaron Rodgers was hiking up mountains and he came back with his his tablet of things he wanted to do and one of them was to be MVP and, and all these things and, and he did it mm. and I think this is the time when the players dream and they go right there's I think what they're trying to do is psych themselves up to a degree where they're saying there's no reason whilst we all know there's lots of banana skins on the road you know there's no reason why a team that's done two NFC championships on the trot can't go and do it a third time and some yeah. there's no reason in their heads why they think the ability isn't there they think the ability is there that's, that's comforting but I do think that this is this is one of two things. They either go the whole hog and they, they go to another NFC Championship game and they get to the Super Bowl and then that, that's a one-off game. Like, let's face it, that's 50-50. But if they do that, I think things will stay kind of as they are. I think if it doesn't happen and they fall short again, two NFC Championships on the trot were great, yeah. but a third one, a third one, and nothing else, mm. I think you'll see big changes. Well, true too, because what did we hear from the insiders, uh, players, coaches, uh, media members, when the Packers lost that game to the Seahawks? It was so mm. psychologically damaging yeah. and culturally damaging to the team um, that they were kind of like, well, what, like, you know, and a kind of that losing mentality almost set in a little bit, that defeatist attitude. So definitely, I think if we fall, you'd almost want to, and this sounds odd, not get as far um, so that you can sort of put blame on on loads yeah. of things to say. Any well, number of things. things. Yeah, yeah, instead of thinking like, oh, here we are again. We just literally can't get over this one hump, which is a pretty big damn hump, a uh, big camel-sized hump here, Daryl. Well, here's the thing. I mean, I know, we're, I, know they're, I know we're talking, you know, chalk and cheese here, but Roy Keane would be delighted with that dressing room in Green Bay because yeah. they're looking at their, their men of destiny and they're thinking to themselves, well, of course we're going to do it because if we don't believe in ourselves, well, what's the point? Nobody else will. And so Keane would say, well, you know, and I'm not picking out the Bears or the Vikes here, but it's that sort of thing of what a great position for these guys to be in. Mm. Are, are fans of the Bears and the Vikings thinking, you know what, we've shot the Super Bowl this year? Not, not from the outset, not right now. But these guys are sitting there going, well, we have all the constituent parts we need. We just don't, we don't want to slip up like we did on these two or three things. And, you know, that's not a bad place to be. I, I get you. Is it building it up to a point where it's becoming a bit of a frenzy if they sl- slip up once? Mm. Would that like... Well, you know, as you say, if you get another Seahawks game or another Tampa, another Bucks game, if they get another one of them, will that completely hammer them? Are they fragile mentally? In other words, are they great when they're winning and are they going to suffer when they get two or three banana skins? Are they tough enough to keep this going? I don't know. Because we haven't seen that. It's going to be interesting to see. We haven't haven't. seen a 13 and three. We haven't seen a sustained period of failure. Muck. With this no. team. Um, no. So we all know that you learn more from your failures than your, you know, successes, all that kind of stuff. Here, let's get on to the Jets game preview then. It's it's sort of, it's almost a distant memory at this uh, stage, Daryl, uh, preseason. Again, there's the debate over, 
you know, where do you take value in these games? How can you evaluate these games? Because there's more question marks that come up over that. But let me kick it to you. Looking at this game, you know, I guess we can sum up Ben Kurt had a good game when there was some sort yeah. of star players on yeah. other sides of the ball as well. Some people did themselves no favours. No. Well, I see the thing is, and then I think, okay, so we have three three games here preseason. You can sort of say the first one, rust. Mm. If people, and this is where I think, and this is, it's a theory I think we were talking about in, in pre-prod as well where we're sort of saying well you know first one the players are rusty you can make all sorts of excuses for players in the first one mm. second one people start to look a bit more i think it's a case of if you play really well i don't think that matters as much as if you play really badly yeah yeah and i think in this in this game especially i mean i can pull out a few names you've already said ben who looked like he belonged there um granted it's the jets and it's preseason, but malik taylor great game Royce Newman he sells carpets and tiles he sounds like a place you go to buy tiles let's go to Royce Newman's but apart yeah. from that he had a great game brilliant Kylan Hill fantastic then you look at the bad and this is where I think the point is on the first game you can excuse all sorts of different things second and third preseason game I mean we're getting to it later on but I think Kamal Martin had a woeful game Lucas yeah. Patrick had a pretty bad game the special teams all over the place uh, JK Scott particularly pretty bad um, but I think these games, whilst the Jets, I mean, that was was horrible football to watch. And anyone who sat through the whole lot and paid attention, um, fair play. I had to go back and look at a couple of um, summaries of it. And, and, you know, it was an awful game of football to watch. But I think the point of it is, they don't really matter until they get closer to the games. So mm. I think this third one is going to be a big one if for getting that roster down. But as for, if you play really well in these preseason games, I don't think it matters. But if you play pretty badly, I think it matters. Yeah, because we Gudekun said, and I, I have a nice soundbite here. Uh, I guess it can it can slot in here, but I, I'll leave it till a little bit later in the show. Um, sort of saying about you know, there's that misconception that pre-season games don't matter. Um, does that? Mm. But, but there's some stuff that was sort of um confirmed and denied when it came to these pressures. It's really nice to get that insight, and I don't know why, but the I don't know whether we're just starved for football over, but it just seems a little bit different. For instance. Gudekun said that in the preseason, you know, some players still make their spot solid um, in that third preseason game, which used to be mm. the fourth. But like you look at that and you're like, surely not. You know, like yeah. we always sort of said, like what you said, it's the mantra that you, it's that whole thing I, I think I said last week where, you know, you it takes a lot to sort of prove that you're clever, but very little to prove you're stupid. So it's the same yeah. as these games, like you have to do a lot to sort of prove that, right, you know, you're good, you're doing what you should be doing, you're competent. Um, but then you make a couple of mess-ups, well, then all of a sudden it looks like the worst thing in the world. Kamal Martin lost his job, lost his place on the team, Daryl, I would argue, yeah. um, in this game. And so, look, we had also another insight from Kurt Benkert when he said that, you know, could he have done something else? Could he have changed plays? He said yes, but he can't because it's preseason. So that just proves that the stuff they're running is super vanilla and why. And let's go to Gudekunz's presser again. Mm. They asked him... You know, when you're looking at preseason, do you go up to Matt and sort of say to him, here, I need just to blood some of these players here, so I want to get a good look at them to see do they have the right stuff? And again, the sort of PC sort of wannabe expert says, no, the GM can't dictate what the coach does. Of course he does. He's, he's in charge he of personnel. They're talking yeah. to each other all the time. I, I, I don't yeah. get this thing of like, good because he's taking his face out of the game time. But it's like, oh, listen, this is all a, an operation. Murphy's involved in there somewhere. Russ Ball is in there as well with the salary cap stuff. Of course they're going to chat. 
and talk about what players they need to see. But Gudekunst was saying just how difficult it is when A, players are injured so he can't actually play them in a preseason game. So that makes evaluation difficult. You could lose your place. I know, uh, I think it was Jerry Gray came out and says, you don't lose your place from being injured. That's all well and good for the Kevin Kings of this yeah, world. Yeah. Enjoy your yeah, Alexander. Yeah. It doesn't really fly when you're an undrafted free agent coming in fighting for a spot, Daryl. So, no, uh, uh, and that's and that brings me to sort of a thing. And this is the point. The thing I was thinking is, I think it really depends on what position and how much depth we have in each of those positions as to whether these preseason games really matter. So there's certain things like the quarterback and and Benkert's already said it. Well, I can't do anything dazzling because we've got to play pure vanilla football. So you know he's not going to be able to do something that he can't play his way in because he'll mm. get shot for a start. But the, the other thing, so I'm looking at this then, and I sort of said to myself, right, well, because I saw it last week, I picked out Devin Funches and I said he had a great game now we're looking at Malik Taylor he had a great game right and I'm looking at that position in particular and thinking right who's going to be in and wide receiver well Adams is going to be in without a doubt there's no surprise there so who else is safe well MVS is safe Alan Lazard is safe Randall Cobb is safe and then the other Rogers Amari Rogers is safe so who's who's fighting for position here well it's to me it's between two lads it's Devin Funches and Malik Taylor. Yeah. And what are they doing? They're playing well week on week to get noticed. But then I think there's other positions where the boys are quite literally nailed on that unless one of them breaks his leg, yeah. those are the bolters. You're not going to get any bolters there, I don't think. Yeah, which is sort of intriguing too. And we, we pointed out Oran Barks and people saying he's playing well. They moved him from inside to outside linebacker. He's a special teamer. Let's just put it that way. And that he shouldn't find playing time unless there's an injury there. That's kind of expected. He seems to have hung on for extra chances. Whereas Kamal Martin, who was seen as the darling of last preseason for yeah. what it's worth. Yeah. You know, he wins the Brett Hundley Award for uh, pointless preseason play. Um, and he was doing well. And there was real honest to God talk from everybody in the building and all that, that he was a sparky player and all this type of stuff. Yeah. But one thing that we've seen, Daryl, which was sort of a... A question mark that we had over Gudekunst, which we asked of Ted Thompson and, and the people before him, was is that when you select a player, how how quickly can you move on and call it a day? How, when do you sort of say that that's a sunk cost? And that's what he's really answered here with the likes of Kamal Martin, because we look at him and we sort of say, you know, here's a guy, you know, what was he, a fifth round pick? And he comes in and yep. he sort of apparently does a good job, gets that knee injury. But he looked absolutely clueless in some of the clips from that Ben Fennell picked out. Uh, in the game against the Jets, Darrell, which was probably his his doing. Because if you look at Campbell and Barnes, he fell behind those in the depth chart. He was moved to outside as well. And with the cover two, Tampa two defense that, you're, that Joe Barry is looking to run, it's not that simple, of course. There's a no. premium put on his position. So to your point, Darrell, exactly that. You know, you look at receiver and you say, well, there's two lads battling it out. But then you look at inside linebacker and say, if you show a whisper of sort of miffing on a tackle or being clueless and not knowing your position at inside linebacker, which is integral to this defense, well, then you're gone. You know, there's no second yeah. chances for you. You just can't have you around the building because now I would proffer that there's probably something else in play there because that was exceptionally fast. But speaking of moving on, Josh Jackson now is gone. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I know, I don't know if, I don't think we, we, I think it broke when we released the last podcast. Um, they got to replace a sort of a straight swap there as well. So at least to me, Daryl Gudekunst is showing that he can move on uh, he's not this because there's always this talk isn't it, that he's a prideful man and that he won't give Rogers an inch because he doesn't want to back down because he's headstrong and all this all of this is anecdotal um, mm. but when we look at the players that he has moved on from you can kind of go okay now there are some head scratchers still Josh Nyman for me being one yep. of them where you know you look at his play it's sort of so-so but Gudekunst even says that you know like he's Good, had a good training camp he's been good when he's when he's gone in there and played when we look at him and we like we don't really know what he sees there but that's why it's very hard for us to evaluate 
Um, yeah. But look, as you say, Kylan Hill, Daryl, locked on for the 53. I mean, just oh, a great performance against the Jets. Yeah. Brilliant, yeah. Um, J.K. Scott spliced that punt. Uh, it, again, like you said, like the preseason game was super preseason. We had interceptions. It really was. We had yeah. fumbles. Fumbles all over the place. Special Quarterbacks teams falling over. Oh, on consecutive <laughs> plays. Like, And I yeah. like that as well, actually. I thought it was brave of LaFleur to come out because he's this super big accountable guy. But he came out and said, look, if your quarterback falls over, it's usually the quarterback's fault because he didn't clear center quick enough. And he said, if you do it on back-to-back plays, you know, that's something that we that's have it. to work on. It's, with, you know? it's yeah, I mean, that's the thing. And this is like, th- these preseason games are like blooper reels. Yeah. And they're kind of like things. There's nothing out of them apart from, you know, playing them back in years to come and go, look at that, I fell over. Yeah. Um, Kevin King, presser, Daryl, super interesting um, in the sense that he, because look, he's getting an awful lot of blame and an awful lot of heat for that NFC Championship game. Now, there's two types of supporters out there apparently that i'm seeing online and and the truth is somewhere kind of down the middle some people are saying that he's trash forever never does anything good and some people are saying oh there was only one game he was terrible for i would say it's down the middle kevin king can have a good game and a bad game within the same game um and that mistake that he made which he called a failure as well he sort of puts at his own feet he was kind of cryptic by saying that you know he has to prove himself and trust in himself and all this but for what it's worth, this is what Matt LaFleur had to say about Kevin King during his press conference. He's a resilient guy. He's a smart guy. I think he is, I, I think our value within our building is much higher maybe than than public perception is out there. Um, he's a guy I have a lot of faith in, a lot of confidence in. I think when he's healthy, he is, is he's really tough to deal with. His length, uh, when he challenges guys at the line of scrimmage, and gets his hands on them. Uh, that, that's a tough matchup for most wide receivers. Just by virtue, Daryl, of how tall he is um, and the experience that he has, it's a bit premature to be writing off Kevin King as a bust, but he has been con- inconsistent, Daryl, which is exactly why they drafted his replacement. But like he said, they drafted Jair Alexander and, and Jackson back to back as well. So this is not new for him. Do you think we're going to see a revitalised uh, Kevin King here? This was interesting for me as well, because especially when he said something along the lines of, you know, we value him higher in the building than you do elsewhere. And I mean, that's obviously a nod to the fans who think he's pure and utter muck now, no matter yeah. what he does. Mm-hmm. But what I would sort of think, is, and it's very similar that do you kick a guy when he's down? Because you'll never motivate him if you tell him. And put it this way, there was no market for him either. So yeah. they're kind of thinking, did they think, did they think, well, actually, we're stuck with him because we can't get rid of him. But obviously not. There's obviously something else in there. You don't leave a guy in like Kevin King if he's got the if he's got the yips. You're not going to put him into that pivotal position again. So there's obviously something there. He still has a respect to the the change the dressing room. Mm. So there, uh, it's one of those things as well. I think that we just don't know. But I would take it at face value because everything Kevin King is saying is like a guy who went, I'm facing up to my mistakes. Yeah. He never makes excuses for them. No. He actually says, I know what I've done wrong. I've learned from this, and I want to finish with my guys. Yeah. So obviously his guys think he can too and if that's okay well that's fine it's just that you know you'd sort of worry about these selections sometimes if there's if there's sort of skin in the game there that we don't know about and some something's keeping kevin king in the squad but no one else wants him there because that's very bad for morale mm. that doesn't seem to be the case here no it seems to be the case that he's saying all the right things to in public and obviously in private yeah like i mean there's a couple of things that stood out to me that didn't make the headlines one was he mentioned the the psychologist that when he spoke to them yeah. so obviously he's got his head right and as you said he's owning up to those mistakes he was a little bit cryptic to say that he has to trust in himself more which would lead you to believe that what he was asked to play and what he should have played and what he saw on tape he should have 
you know, like we've seen, we saw uh, Devon House say this about Dom Capers way back in the day yeah, when he was yeah. saying like, you know, geez, we're pulling our hair out when the players were coming in because it was just totally not the right way to go. And that shows a real lack of faith in the coach. I don't really get that vibe here with Petten. And when LaFleur talked about there was a miscommunication between him and Petten and Petten and the D, obviously, uh, you know, King wouldn't really elaborate on it. He was kind of a bit more guarded on it, but he, he did own yeah. up to it and say, look, I get it. They asked him about the DPI. He said, yeah, I got a lot of his shirt. He also said that he wanted to come back, as you say, to Green Bay because he wasn't going to run away from a task and he wanted to meet it head on. I would say similarly to the way he plays, which is neither like absolutely outstanding, it can be, or absolutely trash, which I wouldn't even go that far. There's some real blunders there and mistakes, which he's owned up to himself. But Daryl, the truth is there somewhere in the middle. He says, oh, with mm-hmm. COVID and the salary cap is down, which is why, you know, Green Bay didn't have to re-sign him, but they did. They got him back on a five million one-year deal. One-year deals, yeah. prove-it deals very popular in today's NFL um, but again he says he's not going to run away from it but when you look at it it's kind of like and at the very end of the presser he goes on about oh if you know if you were to bring the Brinks truck and give me loads of money yeah, yeah. he sort of proved it there that like look he didn't get that blockbuster offer no. that was going to pull him away he had no real choice he came back to Green Bay LaFleur said that he had conversations with Kevin King before he came back as to what his role would be and I'm sure that is am I going to be a starter or not I don't want to be a lame duck uh, quarterback or cornerback where I'm coming in and I just I'm expected to teach up the new guys but healthy attitude there he says he's going to teach Eric Stokes and make him to be the best that he's going to be so for you know like LaFleur seems to be bang on in the sense that he's got the good uh, mindset the culture and he's actually going to help Stokes for what he can I think he will yeah. all he needs to do is show, show Stokes some tape see that don't yeah, do that, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. see, see that I'm don't a, look it up I'm a leader on the field yeah. uh, but yeah look yeah. He's, he's got that leadership mentality which is which is good to see as well and the fact that he's sort of tackling that stuff head on and LaFleur and everybody else is happy to have him back Yeah. now let's talk some good news and uh, stuff that has seemingly united the fan base the throwback jerseys 1953 nice dark green away from the blue and all that type of stuff what's your verdict on it likey I've, I've ordered two you have not have you I have yeah what names? Guess. Uh, Aaron Jones. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, oh God, Jordan Love to be just controversial. No. No, 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 no. I just I wouldn't do that after after the abuse I got um, last week for mentioning uh, Bob Dylan being useless. Yeah, he's terrible. Um, oh, you got a Dylan you know jersey. <laughs> Bob Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> he's crap. Um, yeah. Let me guess. Uh, we going defense offense. Yeah. Defense. Uh, Z, Z, Z Smith. No, Alexander nope. has to be. Yes, yeah, there, there it is. There, there it is. Yeah. You got it in free. Got it in nine, mate. Yeah, oh, happy God. days. You see, we, you know, it's hard to get the the jerseys. In fairness, uh, people are sort of complaining, but we do. We've put out some links about some place. We're not affiliated with them at all, uh, where you can get those jerseys. Fanatics is a good place, but the the postage there will give you a kick in the arse. Um, right, kick in the boom. A kick in the booty. Let's talk about some cutdowns. Uh, we've already mentioned that Kamal Martin is gone. Josh Jackson was traded. Uh, for sort of a, a like-for-like player, uh, let's say, one that didn't stick with the Giants. Um, yeah. You know, again, and they always give you this spiel because they have to. I, I saw some people online complaining about, oh, wouldn't they just tell it how it is that he didn't work out, that Kamal Martin was trash, that this guy, that guy. And of course they're not going to say that. You have to respect people in this they, But these, but these lads have to go and get a job somewhere else. Why would you do that? Yeah. Um, you know, what? you don't need to say that. The no. stats are there. These guys know what they're looking at. You know, let's face it, they're not they're not selling one incident. They're selling a, a list, a spreadsheet full of stats. Yeah. And anyone who wants to can look that stuff up. There's no need to trash someone when they're letting them go. No, and look, they're being let go by virtue 
of them being let go, it, it obviously sends a signal that they're not good yeah. enough or you don't deem they're good enough. Or, of course, there's other things like yeah, of salary cap be, yeah. and timing and all that. Yeah. Uh, Kadara, and, or if you f- you know you fire, you fire a television out a window. All that sort of stuff counts. Yeah, I mean, definitely don't do that. Kadar Holman traded to the Texans. I like Kadar Holman, Daryl. I thought he was very promising, but sure. <laughs> I think it's actually a good move for him, though. Yeah. I, you know, I thought I rated him and we, we spoke about him before on the, on the pod. But uh, again, this yeah. is this sort of thing. They've got to get from 88 to that beautiful number 80. That's eight people. Um, mm. I don't know how they do it. and Because, you know, again, they're looking at spreadsheets full of stuff. Mm. And we have to assume that they have seen things um, that... And then, obviously, the other thing that we haven't really spoken about as well is that personal circumstances come into things. Things yeah. change. And if there's... If, if you're on the bubble or you're, you're just outside the bubble... Uh, and something else comes up and you're an easy one to cut and I have a feeling that Kamal Martin was an easy one that presented itself yeah, yeah. just at the right time for a cut which is unfortunate for him but I think it was easy for them to make that decision other ones then I think they're I mean it's like six of one half a dozen the other you've got like a pro and con column and you're mm. trying to whittle it down you know which is fascinating right because Gudekunst mentioned that because we're saying like how do you do that how do you do those cuts I mean mm. what's in your mind and, and I'll play this sort of uh, sting now in a second but um, he sort of talks about how, you know, they look at their team as if they're an outsider. And uh, I think it was Jason Willey asked a question to say, when, okay, well, you look at Ben Kurt then, are you worried? Because he's NFL experience. He put some really solid sort of, you know, uh, competent stuff on tape in that game. And I can't help but think about how disastrous that Jordan Love injury was for the Packers because they only want to see Jordan Love out there because they need to actually see him because mm-hmm. of big decisions. They need something on tape. They need yeah, something yeah. on tape. And they also want Kurt Benkert to just land on the practice squad and sort of squeak him in there. So that's f- that's fine. But now they've been forced to not only not play Jordan Love, but play Benkert. And now he has stuff on tape. So, you know, the Jets, if they, which they have, had quarterback, backup quarterback injuries, they, they've uh-huh. got a joint practice with the Packers now. They're seeing Benkert in practice as well as game time, which is devastating for the Packers because they might want to really have is. him. Because, you know, you look at all the other guys that they had, Blake Bortles, who's not sort of working construction and ripping cigs. Uh, he was going and getting tryouts for other teams. But it's pretty devastating for stuff like that where, you know, you have a bunch of tape now for a guy who's done well and you're like, well, now we're not going to get him on the practice squad. So stuff doesn't really go uh, your way in that regard. Uh, defensive lineman Josh Avery was released. Will Redmond yeah. ends up on IR, yes. which is a massive, uh, well, not a massive blow, but again, it's one of those players that was sort of promising, very intriguing. And now we don't have his services anymore, Daryl. Uh, tight end Daniel Crawford released. Um, look, we're not going to pretend there's some of these players that made any type of a splash. Um, and as you say, there's other players that are sort of easy to go. Gudekunst even says, um, you know, when he comes into the season or into training camp, he has a certain amount of players. Um, so let me just rip off that sting uh, because I think it probably fits here. Um, and we'll just listen to sort of, it's a really interesting insight from a GM perspective. No, I think as we get later in, in, in training camp, you know, I think that number starts to kind of, you know, shrink a little bit as far as, um, but uh, you know, I probably have a lot less going into training camp. You know, I think usually I'm around, you know, we usually have a core of around 30, 35 maybe that we feel really good about. But there's so much that can happen with injuries and trades and different things. Um, so as, as training camp goes on, I think that obviously that number gets smaller. But you guys have, that have been around here a while, there's always guys in that last preseason game that end up making the team because of what they, they did in the last preseason game. So, um, you know, I think this preseason – you know, our young guys have had a ton of opportunity. They've gotten a ton of snaps. And this, this game in Buffalo next week is going to be very, very important, and they're going to get a lot of snaps. So um, sometimes you never know which, where that's going to come from. Um, maybe it's on special teams. Uh, maybe it's somewhere else. But um, there's always guys in that last preseason game that make a name for themselves. 
that surprised me a little bit, Daryl, the fact that we're going into this last preseason game, which we can quick snaps about. Uh, and again, there's limited stuff we can take, but there are going to be players that night who are going to solidify their place on the team, which is wild. I think that's great. Well, he, he, if he'd have said to solidify his place on the squad, in other words, don't be one of the five that we cut next, hmm. that, would have, that wouldn't have surprised me. But when he said things like, you know, that are going to make the team, that... Uh, that was pretty surprising because, let's put it this way, it flies in the face of the received wisdom, which is none of these preseason games matter. Yeah, they obviously do, and then they, they obviously do when you're trying to cut a squad down as well, um, especially where you get an injury and, like poor Redmond, you're gone. You're, you're an easy one to cut because you're injured. But it's one of those things of it did surprise me a little bit. But I think I think what he's getting at here is is that these young kids that have just come into the squad. They're not going to make the team on a good performance in the last game. I think it's a case of, and I, I bring it back to the point. When I was talking about Taylor earlier and Funches, I think that's when they make the team. It's a case of which one of you guys, where we have a lot of depth and we've got two guys trying to get that last, trying to clinch that last spot. I think mm. that's when it matters. I think it's when, and I think you get, the way I've been looking at Taylor and Funches, they've been playing out of their skins. Yeah. Like to me, when I looked at them play and I sort of I picked, just to try and focus on it, I picked one position where I thought, you know, who are the two or three likely guys that are going to try and get that one spot? And wide receiver was just an easy role to pick. And you actually, when you look at them play then, and I went back and looked at the tape uh, from last week, and you see the way they play, you actually think these guys are actually playing a game. They're, they want to get noticed. Yeah. And, I, and that made me think that maybe that's, maybe there's something in it. Maybe that's the case. Maybe it is the point that if you're, if you, it's just you and another guy for that last berth, mm. you're going to play. Yeah, well, look, they say it's different when the lights are on. We've had players over the yeah. years. Tunyon was one for maybe the first year or two that was it Tunyon uh, there was a couple of players um, maybe maybe I'm doing a disservice to Tunyon maybe it was a previous tight end but that you know they didn't really play maybe it was Richard Rogers. is that when the, you had them in practice they were dropping stuff cement hands but then the minute you put them out there on the field they would excel and vice versa you know you'll have a guy who's fantastic he's an absolute warrior um, in, in training another good thing from Gudekunst uh, again read into it what you will he was asked about Zadarius Smith and his, his delay in hitting the field, something to do with his contract. And he said, no, that he's actually dealing with an injury. And Wildy, I think, again, in fairness to him, said, right, fair enough. I know you're saying he has an injury, but does he also have a dispute with his contract? And again, he says that he's not going to discuss it, but no, it's it's not anything around it. Take that with a pinch of salt. Something else yeah. interesting, Daryl, Ben Kurt. And this is, this is Captain Obvious stuff, but, you know, there could be a bunch of different reasons for this. Ben Kurt did well. Love is obviously, you know, seen as the potential successor here, and there's a whole storyline there if we are to believe, you know, the optics of it. But both LaFleur and um Goody came out, and maybe it's to take the pressure off Love, I guess, is to say that no matter what Ben Kurt does, he's the number three guy regardless. Yeah. So whether they yeah. keep him on the fifty-three as the third man, which is probably unlikely, can they get him on the practice squad? That's a risk they're gonna have to take, of course, if they do decide not to bring him onto the game day roster. But you know, like that's not too controversial, right? To say that Ben Kurt's number three, it doesn't he can't play his way into the number two spot. Is that doing Ben Kurt a disservice? He seemed okay with it though. He seemed to sort of go, I'm used to that idea, it's nothing new. I actually think, yeah, to me, I think what's more surprising, unless there's something worse, you know, in other words, if, if this isn't a stinger that loves dealing with and there's actually something wrong, hmm. um, that he needs, you know, further treatment or whatever, he's not going to be 100%, yeah. then I can see the point of keeping him on. But I actually think just, just his, the way he held himself 
and the way he spoke after the game to me he thinks it's a foregone conclusion yeah, yeah. that he's going back to the practice squad so I, I, I don't think it, I don't think for a minute though it's captain obvious stuff because you know it's not unusual to keep three quarterbacks mm. uh, sitting there so it wouldn't be unusual if they kept him especially if Love isn't 100% but we have no inkling yet that there's anything like that happening and I have a feeling they'll just take two yeah I mean if you look at the Packers in, in prior days you know we'll have Matt Flynn we've Brett Hundley we've yeah. Tim Boyle I mean there's been enough names hanging around there to Sean Kaiser uh, who they've had there just in case something happened and that was the, you know it all build up to the whole Rogers holder thing and we talked about injury and not that he's injury prone but the fact that you know he is dodgy there now he seems you know he, well the offensive line is doing a great job so he's staying upright and he's doing you know I mean it's it's quick stuff the one thing that will stand out for me um, and I guess let's get into a bit of a a blended quick snap slash even quick snap Jesus, oh, I'm like, doing it. You're doing it. Jesus Christ, I'm doing it. Sometimes they're like to do it together. So, um, yes. what I like about the Matt Lafleur offense is the sort of safety valve stuff that's always there, and that's why I think it, they've done a great job of protecting Rogers. Don't get me wrong, Gudekun says that they place a premium on that, particularly in the draft to get offensive linemen because they kept saying, "Oh, how come you just happened to just stumble across all these old linemen and these rounds?" And he said, "Because we place emphasis there, you know, like there's other teams that don't go for the O line in in those rounds, so that's why." Is the fact that they do great scouting because when you have a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, you want to keep him standing, and that's kind of obvious. But what stands out, Daryl, in uh, all of the preseason games and also that you will see again come up in this Bills game is is there seems to be always that option to dump the ball off or hit the screen pass. It's really exceptional stuff to see. The amount of sort of... Um, sort of pressure valve stuff that they have for the quarterback in this offense which has worked spectacularly for Rodgers because he can punish it but you know it does kind of suit the rookie quarterback to come in and we've seen promising stuff with that with Ben Curtin hopefully now with Love again is that if the option isn't on well then just dump it off and get a couple of yards and that's that's something really promising in this game so look there's very little value in this upcoming Bills game, in the sense of from a spectator point of view. It's going to be nice to see the lads in jerseys again. Um, it's going to be nice to see names that we haven't really seen getting more reps because this is the last game they have to really evaluate uh, because Goody does need to see people. But Darrell, as Ben Kurt says, these players are all going to be vanilla. And as you've said, you know some of these players are going to get evaluated on. If they're injured, well, then unfortunately they don't have the stuff on tape to prove to the team they should be kept around. And then also some lads are going to make some real brain fart stuff where it'll just prove to the coach who had a bit of suspicion or whatever that he's not worth that roster spot. Um, but again, anything else you're looking for in this Bills game or do you kind of see it along those lines? I'd see it along those lines exactly. I think it's going to be more vanilla more than anything else and especially like what's Barry going to do You know, with the defence? Not an awful lot. I still don't think we're going to see him click into any formations that, you know, in other words, I don't think we're going to learn any more about how his system's going to play uh, because they're definitely going to want to do this against the Bills. I think the Bills are 2-0 and already for this preseason so they're not going to put any pressure into this I don't think I think they've seen all they need to see I don't think they're going to I don't even think these guys are going to play too hard I think we're going to be looking at maybe some more puke football in this match Yeah. so I just don't I don't know what we're going to see if anything it gets even less valuable because as you say I mean the Bills are not going to be doing great stuff either they're going to have a bunch of lads on the on the roster bubble that they're just looking to get a last look at before they actually make the decision and like although Goody did say that people can solidify their spot on the team in this last game it's like the combine really I mean they've got all this college tape and they just want to see the person perform and just confirm what they already know and I think that's what it is because if you look at LaFleur they asked him has he got the O-line locked down yet and he says yeah pretty much at this point yeah. you know, he kind of knows what he has yeah I'd agree with that and I think it's more of a case of I think you'd play yourself off 
rather than play yourself on in the third game. Yeah, it's a weird thing where they have the multiple cutdowns again. There was that thing, it was just a massive cull, uh, but yeah. they have the multiple cutdowns again, which is sort of, you know, because you have that preseason game and then you have like effectively a bye week um, and then stuff starts to crank in. So it's like, how do you evaluate someone when they're just in, in the practice sort of scenario it must be heartbreaking to do but what i would say as well is that i see people complaining that they don't have any competition now for hunter bradley or jk scott when arguably they're the ones who are questionable whereas they have another kicker in there who people are saying are going you know competing with mason crosby to get this straight no one's competing with mason crosby they're just keeping no, an extra leg in there just keeping an extra leg there well if yeah, you think no, about that's it that's exactly right if anything it's like mason crosby's been absolutely nailing it do you want your aging kicker to be doing all of the kicking um in practice no you don't you want to limit yeah, their not. reps as well and um, so yeah. there's an awful lot of that to it but don't forget there was a year where the packers had what was his name he was ripped uh god damn it i can't remember his name the punter and um they they went in and they cut the punter and the long snapper in the same uh, preseason and just got them from other people other teams so they, like there's there's places where the, it's not unknown to the Packers that when you think oh well look he's got no competition now his competition might well be on another team that gets cut and then he gets picked up um, so there is that option as well finally let's end the show Daryl with seemingly what's become a controversial topic and I really don't know how um, and that's the wave it's it's Lafleur coming out and other players coming out and saying that you know we need to get up there in the jumbotron and we need to tell them to not do the wave or not do the go pack go chant when the team are on offense how is this controversial in some way like the Packers are being killed Joyce here no it's not unusual I mean look I think the, the point and this didn't this, they've been doing this for years I mean Rogers I seem yeah. to recall Rogers a few years ago mentioning this a few times um, and they open the fans some fans anyway get their knickers in a twist because they're going oh that's so disrespectful to the fans who spend all this money and all that yeah, yeah. well from this side of the world and um, when you're talking from rugby perspective when the kicker in Ireland is going to take a kick there is pure silence in a rugby ground. And that's un- that's unusual enough in the sense of you play a game in England, you play a game in France, there isn't that silence. But that kind of respectful silence in a home game makes absolute sense mm. because you want to give your kicker as much time uh, to relax and you know not get distracted. It's even more important in a game like in NFL where you, you want to be able to hear your own players when you're making your own calls. Mm. Your fans should be supporting that effort in, his, in, his, you know, in the best way they possibly can. It's, it's perfectly acceptable to scream, shout and do whatever you like in front of the, the away team. But if you're playing a home game, stay quiet. You know, yeah, it's, it's just benefit. It's benefiting your own team. It just beggars belief to me because it's this sort of thing of oh, well, we can do what we like. You know, we pay for the season tickets. We can do it. That's really, that's really, really odd behavior. It's like saying I have a car, yeah. so we can just drive it into a hedge for one. You're like, on, you can, but I don't know why you want to destroy it. Yeah, why, like, would you, why, why would you want to do that? Why are yeah. you there? I mean, if you're supporting the team and you want them to win, by doing that, it makes it harder. So then they're not in a position to win, and then you're on these forums giving out about how trash they were. When, look, David Bakhtiari came out and he spoke about how, like, oh, here's the secret. You know, the, there was the benefit of having no crowd because it's yeah. all about the get-off. You know, you want the cadences to be right. You, you know, otherwise yeah. he says that he's trying to look back to see when the ball has snapped. So he's as much clue as the defense when the crowd around you are going bananas. So it's just, yeah. it just doesn't me, make sense. And they're, they're not... Keep, keep the home advantage. That's the whole point. And yeah. anything you can do to help that home advantage help. Yeah. So like, and every player and every coach, for as long as I can remember, certainly in recent history, 
has came out at some point during the season and said, just stop doing it. And this whole thing about, like, oh, they're going on as, as, as killjoys, you know, this is meant to be fun, this is a kid's game. And you're like, oh, yeah, well, then if it's a kid's game and it's just fun, why are you blowing, like, thousands of dollars to go? I understand you want to keep the fun in it, but I don't understand how not doing the dumbest thing you can do on offense is somehow going against your rights. It, it seems like anytime you tell someone, please don't do that, they go, oh, oh I'm offended. I'm so offended. You know? And you're like, oh, I'm too... Yeah. All right. You know, sure, look. And then I saw one commenter on The Athletic, I think it was, say that, oh, you know, this might come down to the stadium announcers and people who run the game day because if they're putting up on the screen, like, you know, chant go, pack, go, they're the one driving it all. I will guarantee you that is not the case because those people that are involved in all of that probably hate the wave and everything else. And are, are as, look, there, it, there's so much that goes into game day planning you would not believe behind the scenes when it comes to the graphics and the uh, everything else that goes up on the screen to keep the crowd interested and going and all that because we do have timeouts um, and all this type of stuff. I, I spoke with Craig Shilbert who, who deals with all of the replays of match replays and when they put them up and what the regulations are and everything else. Believe me, the people involved and who are in charge of the game day sort of flow of what comes on those screens are very, very aware not to put up go, pack, go, chance or get loud Lambo when the offense are on the damn field. That's just a ridiculous notion. Well, on that, it's very simple. Firstly, it's called etiquette. So if you're bringing your kids to a match, you teach them this is what you do and don't do. Mm. Second thing is, and what happens at rugby, especially when there's away fans, a sign comes up straight away and says, respect the kicker. And if they continue to boo and shout, a stadium announcer comes over the top and says, can you please respect the kicker? So why that's something similar in in football, if that's what's needed, where they need to put up on a sign, respect the offense, you know? Yeah. And if they need to announce something to tell fans just to say, listen, lads, this is the etiquette. This is what we do at Lambeau. Please do what you're told. Yeah, and look, as you said, there has to be that element. If you want the element of fun, do all your waving and do all your go-back-go chanting when the defense are playing, for God's sake. That's yeah, when you're that's supposed to make the noise. You know, you're, you're supposed, supposed to, to <laughs> So, like, that's, that's fine. And you should not have an announcer that has to tell the home fans, you know, not to do it. But it's amazing as well. Anytime you ask anybody around Green Bay, like, oh, what's the story with the wave? And they'll be like, oh, yeah, that's the goal package. And they always seem to blame the goal package, but you see it happen in <laughs> all sorts of games. The goal package really get a bad rep. Um, but yeah, look, it's... Um, it's gold. It's really not controversial to me. I really don't understand no. how, like, keeping your trap shut when it comes to... And the wave is dumb anyway. You know, because the thing is, it makes you look stupid. I remember your man, that whatever his name, that Fennerty guy who came to Crow Park going around asking people, oh, do you understand the game when the college games are on? It's akin to that. Yeah. You know, if you're doing the wave... Even if you know everything inside out about the game, it just kind of makes you look silly, really. It's like if an experienced motorcyclist Daryl drops his bike in traffic. It might have just been the candor, camber of the road or whatever, but it still makes you look like, ah, he's a newbie. Yeah. You know, and you're kind of like, there's noob. nothing you can do Such about the optics. Such a noob. Yeah. No, no. Um, so that was, I'll tell you what, jam-packed show. Anything else or forever hold your peace? No, uh, do you know what? I can't wait. New Orleans, uh, put it this way, I am as clueless about how this team is going to play come game one as I was before these preseason games started so it's actually to be anything if anything else it's making me more nervous and more excited for this season yeah so look if it's a continuation of last season they're going to do very well they did ask Matt LaFleur they were saying to him you know what what are you going to get with Joe Barry here and he was like well we just have to wait and see you know so it's amazing that even he's saying like I don't know (laughs) like he knows what he wants and he knows what he sees in practice but what you get on the field is going to be very different it's certainly not what you're seeing in this preseason but look what you see with us is usually what you get loads of paddyisms. Yeah. Uh, so I've been at Steve Diddy NFL he's been at Daryl J 
O'Brien on Twitter. Give him a follow. And of course, stay up with the group at UK Packers and tune into the podcast. And if you like signed merch, sign up to our Patreon. Uh, by the time the next podcast goes out, uh, the draw uh, sign up will have closed and there's some absolutely fantastic prizes and more merch to come. So keep your eye on the YouTube channel. And if, you don't, and if you don't like signed merch, what's wrong with you? Yeah, what's, your, what's your problem? What's wrong with you? Yeah. What's your problem? And as well as that, I'm guaranteeing that everybody who signs up based on uh, length of service will definitely get something sent out. So we saw two prizes two prizes go out to people um, last month and more prizes, guaranteed prizes, are going out to people who've been long-term patrons but haven't uh, won anything in the draw. So you'll definitely receive an item to throw up on your wall and be proud of. So from us, uh, enjoy the game. Don't take too much from it. And we'll talk to you next week.